Well, it's certainly a joy to be here. Um, just from personal experience, I think Matt still is on the drugs, just so you know. So, so uh, it's, it's good for me to be here, maybe, from that point of view. But no, it's good for me to be here because you're family. This is, this is like uh, my second home, really. I look around this place. There's so many folks I've gotten to know through the years. And when we made our way down south, so many of the First EV Free group came here to Grace Covenant because we recommended you because you're such a great, great family. So thank you so much for having me today. And uh, I'm here to, to bring the message about Christmas to a group of you that have heard it a million times. That's a challenge in and of itself, but I'm asking the Lord to speak through me today in such a way that maybe some new things come alive to you. Maybe that same old story will make a deeper sense. Maybe there'll be something said today that, that, that just spurs your thinking and your heart and turns you to praise God more than ever this Christmas season. So, in order to do that, I want to have you open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read a familiar story, verses 26 to 38. Would you please stand in honor of God's Word? In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Our Father, we pray that you'll take the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart, and make them acceptable in your sight, O God. Father, whatever we brought here that keeps us from hearing from you, we pray that we'd lay it down, that we'd come and turn our hearts and our focus, our, our mind, our very will to you, O oh God, so that we have a direct connection through your written word, through the power of your spirit, God, that would be 
understanding unlike never before. And we pray, God, that you would speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Now, I got to tell you, you're part of the family here. You're, you're here at church, and you, you come to church not just on Christmas, not just on Easter, but you're here almost every week. And to tell you that I could say something to you that is brand new concerning the Christmas story would be quite difficult. That's because you've heard it a thousand million times. You, you get it. You understand it. But I want you to know something. If you were to take a step outside the safety of this world, this Christian world, and, and move out into that space out there where people have never really comprehended the truth of the Christmas story, you, you would get a different response. Uh, people cannot get their minds around it. For example, let me tell you the story of a friend I have named Rule. Smart guy, lawyer. Uh, about once a quarter, I gather some guys together in this meeting called What's Your Beef? And, and he's, a, he's a real learner. He wants to know more about Christianity. But I remember one time saying to him this whole idea of incarnation, God in the flesh, that the second member of the Trinity came to earth, entered human experience, as a human, took on flesh, that holy God entered our world, and he looked at me like I was nuts. What, he said? How can you say that, that the second member of the Trinity, God entered our world and became like us? Holy God, perfect God, the omnipotent God enters our world. How can you say that? And that's the same experience I have when I travel the world and I speak to friends in different countries from Muslim backgrounds or Hindu backgrounds or animistic backgrounds or atheistic backgrounds. You can say to them what is common to us and they cannot get their minds around it. We need to understand that what we possess by way of knowledge about the incarnation of Jesus is not readily accepted by everybody. In fact, when you read this story, the story of this young girl who's visited by an angel who says she's going to have a child, though she's a virgin, she's going to be overshadowed by the Spirit, I'm telling you, in her mind, that story was, are you kidding me? How can this be? Well, today I want to look at this story and show you some of the impossibilities that seem outside our experience if we were to hear this story afresh. But know that with God, nothing is impossible. Now, I know it's raining outside, and it's a mere 11-something in the morning that you are probably tired just a little bit. But I want you today to go away with this one thought in your mind. This one thought in your soul. You ready? It's that nothing is impossible with God. I mean, I don't know where you are. I don't know how, what you came from. I don't know what circumstances you're facing that seem absolutely overwhelming. 
I don't know what you're, what's going on in your life right now, but it's very possible that there are people sitting here today saying, if he only knew. He wouldn't be telling me that nothing is impossible with God. But I'm saying to you, I'm going to try to convince you. From this Christmas story, speaking to your life, that you leave this place today and you say, you know what, I've got a fresh new perspective. I see things differently. Because of Mary's story, I understand that even in my own life, God can do anything. Are you ready? Now, you're going to have to do something. I, I want to embed this in you just a little bit. So at the end of each of my points, and there's five of them, it's not complicated. I'm going to read what I've said, and you're going to say, yet nothing is impossible with God. You want to just practice? Yet nothing is impossible with God. Listen, even if you just whisper it, it's okay. All right, here we go. Here's the first idea I see from this story. It's hard to believe angels can speak to humans, yet nothing is impossible with God. Look at verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel said to her, Greetings, you are highly favored. Now, let me ask you a question. Be bold. How many of you sitting here today think that sometime in your life you might have seen an angel? Oh, there we go. There was like nobody in first hour. This is the spiritual hour, I think. <laughs> this is great. I love this. Well, the truth is, like first hour, most people say, no, I, I, I'm not. In, if I have, I'm not raising my hand. I'm not admitting that I might have seen an angel. But you know what the Bible says? It says that some of us sitting here might have entertained angels unaware. Hebrews says that that there might have been an angel come into our life that we didn't even know was an angel. And the Bible says repeatedly that angels appear to humans. Genesis 3, they appear at the edge of the garden to keep Adam and Eve out after their failure. In, in Genesis 16, angel appears to Hagar to comfort her and to announce the birth of Ishmael. Genesis 31, an angel appears to Jacob to reveal God's promise and protection. Exodus 3, an angel shows up in the burning bush first, and then God appears in that bush. Angels appear throughout the Old Testament, and they also appear in the New Testament. You know that. In Revelation, the book of Acts, especially the Gospels. But one of my favorite angel appearances, do you remember this one? It's found in Numbers 22. It's a great story, especially for kids to read. An angel appears to Balaam's donkey. Do you remember that? It's so great. It says, don't come. You, you can't pass. And what does Balaam do? He doesn't see the angel. The donkey does. So what does he do? He keeps beating his donkey. And the poor donkey, you know, he just can't take it anymore. So what does he do? He starts talking. I mean, you got an angel in the story. you got a donkey now talking. I mean, this is over the top, but it's in the Bible. And the donkey says to Balaam, this is great. What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Am I not your own donkey, which you've always ridden to this day? Have I not been in the habit of doing what you want me to do? <laughs> That's great. 
I mean, wouldn't it be cool if our animals could talk like that nowadays? Stop it. That would be, but then here's what happens. Then Balaam sees the angel and repents for his goofiness. You know, I know a friend who is certain he saw an angel. He used to go to Grace Covenant years ago, he and his family, and they were moving to Tulsa. And he fell asleep at the wheel. And on the Tulsa Turnpike, flipped his Suburban about six times. He had four girls. Two of the girls went flying out, one out the back window. The family was scattered. It was in the day, you know, where we didn't wear seatbelts because we wanted the kids to sleep. And there they are. He's laying in the car sideways. Two of the girls are outside. The U-Haul trailer was on the back, all churned up. And he remembers seeing this person come from nowhere and comforted his two daughters laying in the ditch. And that person remained until EMS came, never to be seen again. Now look, you can say that was no angel. That was just somebody that lived in the, the farmhouse next door or whatever. No, no, he thinks it's an angel. Why not? The point is this. Mary sees an angel. This lady living in Galilee, engaged to Joseph, a descendant of David. The Lord was with her and was showing her favor. And Gabriel, who, who shows up first in the book of Daniel, comes and tells her the news. You ready for this? Say it with me. And though it's hard to believe, angels can speak to humans. Ready? Nothing is impossible to God. Now, there's a second thing I want you to see, another impossibility. It's hard to believe humans can find favor with God, yet nothing's impossible with God. Look at verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now, I want to just say something that we Christians need to hear. We should never take God's grace for granted. We should never take God's favor in our lives for granted. But I'm telling you, we do. And we should be careful with that. Because remember what the psalmist said? The psalmist says, who can stand in the presence of God? Who can ascend his holy hill? And the answer is virtually nobody. Because what he answers there, there are almost impossibilities. Who could stand before God? Nobody could. And that's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans. There's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've become altogether worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And if someone in this group wants to argue with that, oh, but listen, you don't know me. I, I, I do a lot of good stuff. I, I really do have it together most of the time. Well, James speaks to you, James 2.10. Whoever has the law and keeps the whole law, and yet offends on one point, right, is guilty of the whole law. So the truth is none of us, deserves the favor of God. None of us can say, God, you owe it to me. And nor could Mary say that. 
No, rather we say it is by grace we are saved. It's the gift of God so that no one should boast. We are saved not by righteous deeds that we have done, but according to his mercy, the regeneration of his spirit. So let me ask you this. How did Mary experience the favor of God? Now, some traditions will tell us, well, she was immaculately conceived. She was without sin. That's how she was favored. I tell you, that's not true. She was born just like all of us. She was born with a nature that was against God. But by grace, through faith, Mary received favor. Now, this is important for us to pause here because I want to make something perfectly clear. Some people think that you are distant from God simply because of your behavior. You've chosen to sin against him, be self-centered, to do your own thing, to make mistakes about things in life. But we have a bigger problem than that. We were born by nature sinners. It's our nature. Just like we get our blue eyes, or our blonde hair, or no hair, our DNA, we also get a sin nature from our original parents. So we are born in this world separated from God. And the reason why we sin is because we are sinners by nature. Let me say it this way. Whenever you're explaining the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel to people, there are two axioms that you should always speak. You might want to jot this down. The first axiom we should tell people, proclaim it very clearly, is we are all much worse than we could ever imagine ourselves to be. We start right there. We are much worse than we can ever imagine ourselves to be as human beings. But the second axiom is this. He is much more gracious than we could ever imagine him to be. That's so important. That's the heart of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's hard to believe that humans can find favor with God. Are you ready for this? Yet nothing is impossible with God. Here's a third impossibility. It's hard to believe that God can dwell among men. Yet nothing is impossible with God. I love this. Look at verse 31. You will be with child, give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now I'm going to tell you something that is the truth that, again, we as Christians forget. We are the only worldview, I better say that than religion, we're the only worldview that believes it's God entered as a man. There's no, other, there's no other expression. There's no other worldview. The Hindus don't believe that. The Muslims don't believe that. The Jews don't believe that. In fact, I'll say it this way. 
When you say to a Jew, and I just came from Israel a couple months ago, when you say to a Jew that Jesus is the Messiah, they say back to you, it's scandalous that our Messiah would be crucified. When you, when you say back to a, a Muslim, our God became a man, they say to you, that's ridiculous, that can't be. He can at best be a prophet, that's all. When you say in the day of Jesus that Christ is the anointed one from God, the true, perfect God-man, the Greeks, the philosophers, the Stoics, the Epicureans would say, that's foolishness. Look, we need to understand and be reminded that Christians see the nature of Jesus totally different. It's called incarnation. God putting on human flesh. God coming to earth, the second member of the Trinity, to live among us, to show us the face of God. We can look at the face of Jesus and see the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen him. Listen, I can't get my mind around that. Can you? Can you explain that to me? How Jesus emptied himself, kenosis, took upon the form of a servant, but in human flesh. This is the Godhead dwelling bodily. Why did he do it? One of my favorite paragraphs in all the Bible, why Jesus became a man Hebrews 2.14 says it this way. You should jot this reference down. Hebrews 2.14 through 17, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Listen. For surely it's not angels that he helps, but Abraham's descendants. To say another way, he didn't die for angels. He died for humans. So he has to be a human to die in our place. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of his people. What the blood of sheep and goats and turtle doves could only do for a season to set aside for a season, Jesus once and for all died in our place as the perfect sacrifice satisfying the righteous demands of a holy God. That's stunning. And so in this passage, the angel says, his, he will be called Jesus, that is, God is salvation, because he'll be a savior, he'll die in our place. He will be great. His character and work will be over the top. He will be both the son of man, son of Mary, and the Son of God, Son of the Most High. He will be a king over a kingdom that will never end. God the Son will dwell among men. Listen. This is why we celebrate Christmas. 
that God entered our world in the person of Jesus. As John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 14, John 1. And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen to me. If we were living in that day where I was a disciple, you were a disciple, we were followers, we were on the sermon, we were, we were at the mount when the sermon was preached, we were there with him when he fed one of us as the 5,000. If we were there with him, here's what we could have done in that day. We could have gone up to him and hugged his neck. We could have received a pat on the back from, from Jesus. We could have heard his verbal voice. We could see his gestures. And listen, when we were being hugged by him, listen, we were being hugged by the eternal God. That's who Jesus is. The eternal, coexistent God in the flesh. Can somebody here explain this to me? It's beyond comprehension. But it's true. And so we say again, it's hard to believe that God can dwell among men, yet nothing is impossible with God. Here's our fourth impossibility. You ready for this? It's hard to believe that virgins can give birth to children, yet nothing is impossible with God. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, and I'm just going to say, <laughs> I can't imagine what she was thinking when this answer was given. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. What? The Holy... <laughs> what? You know, much is said about Jesus' identity, his character, his work, his, his royalty, but the evidence that validates his claims is his miracles. Now, what are the miracles that validate who he is? Well, most of those were miracles he performed personally, like healing people and feeding thousands and walking on water and calming seas and raising the dead. But there are two miracles that were, may I say it this way, done on him or completed by the Father and the Holy Spirit on his behalf. And those two are these, the resurrection from the dead and the virgin birth. We all know about the resurrection where he was put in the tomb, guarded by a legion of soldiers, and there was no way he could get out of that tomb. But bursting forth, he came out on that glorious Sunday morning and pierced over 500 people, appears to, to Paul he, a, a, on the Damascus Road. We, we know the story of his resurrection, and we talk about that in March, April, something like that. So you all need to come back and hear about that one. But the one we're talking about today is called the virgin birth. And I want you to just look at this. Look at this. It's unbelievable. In these few verses, verses 34 
through 36, we notice this. Mary's pregnancy occurs by the Holy Spirit's overshadowing. The child John in her cousin Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy when Mary comes near. Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, affirms that the baby in Mary's womb, listen, is her Lord and Savior. What? It's revealed to her by the Spirit. And then Mary, filled with the Spirit, offers prayers of praise that her baby is of God. Joseph was going to put her away privately, indicating, listen, he had no relations with her. Why would he do that? Instead, it was only when an angel tells him the baby is conceived by the Holy Spirit does Joseph settle. That's called the miracle of the virgin birth. And let me say it again, it's hard to believe that virgins could give birth to children, yet nothing is impossible with God. One last impossibility. It's hard to believe children of men can become servants of God, yet nothing's impossible with God. Verse 38, Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Now, I have to tell you, I love Mary's response because it's the only right response that she could have made. And it's the right response for us. After all of this, instead of arguing and saying, look, uh, why don't you pick somebody else? Uh, why don't you go next door? I, I'm not sure I want to be part of all of this. Instead, she says, all right, whatever you want. That's what I'll do. God, I'm your servant. And here's my hands totally open to you. And so at the, at the very bottom of the affirmation of the Christmas story, this is what it's about. Here I am, Lord. Whatever you want. No matter how impossible my life circumstances seem, no matter how impossible it is that you're, what it is you're asking me to do, whatever you want, God, here I am. And that's what he wants from you. He wants you to overcome your mindset of what cannot happen and instead turn to him this Christmas season as you remember the birth of our Lord and say, whatever you want, Lord, I'm here. No matter how difficult it seems, no matter how difficult my marriage, no matter how difficult my work, my, my children, no matter how much the struggle is, loss of confidence, loss of health, God, it seems impossible to me. But here I am. Isn't that the right response? I want to close with this story about this idea of impossibility. Very close to my heart. So my son lives around the world building embassies. That's his life. 
He's lived in 11 countries in about 12 years. And um, he moved to Djibouti. It's not a body part. It's a, it takes a while to get that one. It's a country in eastern Africa. The work he does is quite lonely. You work six days a week. Uh, you get very little time to yourself. But in the providence of God, this is crazy, he meets a beautiful young French girl in Djibouti. A boy from Austin meets a girl from Perpignan, France, in Djibouti. Now, that should say something to you young singles. If you're worried about finding your spouse, you can find them in Djibouti. <laughs> they started hanging out as friends, and next thing you know, they like each other more than friends, and but we have one major problem. She grew up in France, totally secular. I mean, you name the names of the Bible, she'd never heard them. She'd never been to church in her life. She had no comprehension of spiritual things. And I remember the day that he brought her home and we sat in the backyard and I academically made the gospel so clear to her, Romans Road. You know, here's who you are without Christ. Here's what you could become. And I get to the end of the story, an hour's worth of talking it through, thinking, you know, she's going to, you know, I'm a preacher. Well, you know. <laughs> I'm going to save you a future bride, my son. We get to the end of it, and I said, so, like, what's your worldview after all of that? And she said, Oh, Rob, and very sweet, I would be an atheist. I mean, even after I just c communicated to you? Yes. I, because it's not like I don't want to be something different, but I've never heard of this. Our family is very Christian. And we think that the most important thing is to be like-minded with who you marry in life. And so for about a year or so, our family was struggling. What do we do? We love this girl. She's as sweet as they come. But it seemed impossible. He moves to Saudi Arabia. She moves back to France. I'm just going to tell you the rest of the story. She's in a Catholic church in Colombia, South America. And the Holy Spirit, in a different kind of way, overshadows her. He comes upon her and persuades her that the things she knows in her mind are true. And in a moment of overwhelm, she cries out to Jesus and asks him to save her. I remember when she first told us sitting on our couch, this story. And she said, I love Jesus with all my heart. From atheist to thoroughly converted to Jesus. And here's the rest of the story. 
I married my son and his lovely bride, Lore, last Saturday night. But let me tell you what's even better. The night before, I baptized her. And I baptized her in a pool, freezing cold. It had snowed that morning. <laughs> but listen, she told her story before we went down in the water to her whole French family. And when she finished telling it to her family who knows nothing of these things, her father, in broken English, said, I can tell this story is near to your heart. Listen. With God, nothing is impossible. Lord, thank you so much for this moment. And Lord, I remember praying for my daughter-in-law thinking it was going to be impossible. And I think there are people here that have similar situations. They think it's impossible. But Lord, remind us today that nothing is impossible with you. In Jesus' name we pray.